Pastor Chris Simak from the Potter's House Eastside. This sermon was recorded on the 21st of March 2021. And the sermon title is The Path to the Pig Pen. Amen. Would you turn in your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 15, verse 11? Preached out of this text this morning. Uh, a sermon that I hope would speak to you, the love of the Father. Uh, and we're going to look again at the story of the prodigal son. So many sermons that I could preach out of this. Uh, when I was looking up uh, different things and research, uh, my man Charles Spurgeon, uh, who I often quote, uh, he has a book that's just called 12 Sermons from the Prodigal Son. Uh, and I thought, well, okay, here we got two. So we're doing all right. We're, got, we're doing all right. God's going to help us. And we're going to get there. But as you look at the prodigal son, it is easy to feel self-righteous. It is easy to look at the story of the prodigal son and think, what an idiot. The dude took all his dad's money, went to a faraway land, spent it all down to nothing, got desperate and then came running back to daddy. That's how some people uh, read the story. And I want to preach a sermon uh, that's a bit of a warning tonight for every single one of us. Uh, And that's a sermon that I've entitled, A Path to the Pig Pen. The Path to the Pig Pen. Let's read together again in Luke chapter 15, verse 11. We're going to read the first portion of the text here. It says, Then he said, That's Jesus. A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of the goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a faraway country, and there he wasted the possessions with prodigal living. And we read today that that was a prodigal was a wasteful or lost living. In verse 14, but when he had spent all there, he arose, sorry, and when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, but no one gave him anything. Amen. A sermon that I've entitled, Path to the Pig Pen. And as I was putting together uh, different research and different ideas of what God was speaking to us about, this morning uh, I looked particularly at the love of the Father. Because you cannot go past the story of the prodigal son And see a son that was lost, that had destroyed his whole life. And then the father took him back. And the way that the father took him back, it was like he forgave him and restored him, restored his dignity. Powerful. Again, when I'm reading that, I'm thinking, my God, thank you, Jesus, that you covered my sin. And you gave me uh, the authority to be in your family and in your kingdom again. 
But this evening, I want to take a bit of a different angle. And I want to look at what brought the prodigal son all the way from the father's house, where we are now, all the way to the pig pen. And there, this is a bit of a different sermon. It's a five-point sermon. Calm down. We're not going to be here till 10 o'clock. Uh, but it's a five-point uh, sermon. And in this sermon, we are going to look at a number of different things that he did wrong. And that led him down to that place as a warning for us that we would not go down the same road. Let's look at uh, verse 11 again. He says, Give me the portion of the goods that falls to me. So firstly, I want to look with you at the prodigal son. He was selfish. He was selfish. His fall began with a selfish act. His fall began with no uh, regard or disregard for his father. He said, Dad, I want my money and I want it now. All he could see was the dollar signs. <laughs> Dad, give me the money. Forget you. Forget my family. Forget my brother. Forget my reputation. Give me the money and I want to get out of here. That was the attitude of the prodigal son. And uh, right there, the father <laughs> uh, should have said to him, you ain't getting no money, but, but there's the door. Uh, <laughs> but that's not what happened. Uh, gave him the portion of his uh, inheritance and he allowed the son to go. Uh, let me tell you, uh, parents, let me tell you, loved ones, uh, there are sometimes that we pray for people and we, we fast, we want them to change. Uh, and yes, God can do a miracle, but you know that sometimes the best thing for their life is that they, uh, you release them and they go all the way down to the pig pen. It's a, it's a difficult thing to understand and nobody wants that. We don't want that. Nobody wants that for their loved ones. But I tell you, uh, if every time, uh, they would come to us like this and we bail them out and bail them out and bail them. They will never learn. They have to understand uh, that there are consequences. And we have a whole generation of prodigals. We have a whole generation today. The Bible even said it was going to be like this. Listen to this in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1. In this verse, Paul is telling Timothy about the last days which we are in right now. Uh, we were driving here and uh, on the way here, Esther was FaceTiming her mom, Renata. And uh, Renata is telling us, she's like, Hi, Esther, it is the last days. You know, I don't know why she sounds like that. Uh, but Esther, it's the last days. It's the last days. She said, do you know that in Australia, uh, yesterday there was a tornado in Sydney? It's like, oh, Esther, it's the last days. Have you heard about the flooding in Parramatta? They're in the middle of revival right now. Uh, and people, they're finding it difficult to get to the building because there's flooding everywhere. It's like the flooding in Parramatta. Have you heard about this? Have you heard about that? And I said, Renata, calm down. I said, I know it's the last days. Because since I've lived here in New Zealand, uh, there's been volcanoes. Uh, there's been earthquakes. There's been a tornado here in, in Albany. 
and there was a tsunami warning the other day. Like, calm down. Uh, is the last days run down. So here we are in 2 Timothy 3 verse 1. And even more than all of those things, I know it's the last days because look at this verse. It says, but, they, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves. Can anybody say Instagram? Uh, men will be lovers of money. Boasters. Proud. Blasphemers. Disobedient to their parents. Unthankful. Unholy. Unloving. Unforgiving. Slanderers. Without self-control. Brutal. Despisers of good. Traitors, headstrong, haughty, and lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Uh, I mean, you could pick one of those things and already there's people in your mind. Uh, But I can think of some people that almost encapsulate all of those things. Uh, And I'm telling you that we are in the last days right now. We have a generation of prodigals, a generation of people that are selfish Let me tell you, we need to be very careful. Because this verse right here, look again in verse 5 of 2 Timothy 3 verse 1. Verse 5 says, after he describes all of that list, he says, They have a form of godliness, but deny its power. Doesn't that sound like a lot of the church world today? They have some form of godliness and holiness and they look like a church but they deny its power and the power of God it says and such people will turn away he's not talking about people out there he's talking about people in the church and we need to take a warning and be careful uh, just like we look at the prodigal son and say how selfish imagine how selfish we could be if we take what the father has given us our salvation, our inheritance. And we say, you know what? I'm just going to keep that to myself now. Me and Jesus, we're going to work this thing out together. The first problem was that he was selfish. The second problem was that he acted hastily. He acted hastily. Another word for that is that he made emotional decisions. He was impulsive. He didn't think things through. Look at verse 13 of our text. It says, And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a faraway country. Why did he say not many days after? Because the the Bible says uh, that it didn't take him long to gather his stuff. I I want to add something here when I'm thinking of it. There's not many days after. I think the prodigal son was planning this for a little while. I think the prodigal son, uh, he had thought about this for a little while. And listen, church, there are times when we think, uh, here I am now in the father's house. Here is the pig pen down here. I'm so far from that. It's fine. But let me tell you, church, it's a progression. It's a very slow progression. Uh, It's a very quick progression to get from here to there. He was thinking about this for a while. And when the opportunity presented itself, he acted hastily. 
The Bible says that when he got his money, he went away to a faraway country. And in his haste, in his uh, just the way that he did things quickly, and he was able to just quickly spend all his money. In Proverbs 21 verse 5, it says, The plans of, a, of the diligent surely lead to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Here he is looking for the quick win. I tell you, if you, look, if you live your life looking for the quick win, uh, you're gonna, uh, the Bible says that you will end up in poverty. Uh, I mean, I remember uh, my father, uh, one of the things that, that I, I remember him as a very little boy is my dad was very skilled at everything. Uh, at one point in Uruguay, he was a baker. We had a bakery. At another point in Uruguay, he bought two taxis. And he, he, he was going to uh, run like a taxi dr- driving business. At another point in Uruguay, uh, he did something else and something else. Uh, all these things. Uh, before I was born, he took my mum uh, to America. And in America, there were illegal immigrants there in America in Sylvester Stallone's father's house. Mm-hmm. I'm famous. Rocky Balboa right here. Well, Rocky Balboa's dad. And he's there and they're trying again like a get-rich-quick scheme. Uh, my dad is going to work in the house and my mom, she was taking care of the, the kids and different things. Again, it just never seemed to work out. He went from there. They moved from Uruguay. We lived in Argentina for a while, which is just the next country over. We lived in Argentina for a while. And again, a small business here, small business there. And then my dad, we took the whole family. We moved to Australia. And in Australia, again, it was like, let's try this. And let's try this. And let's try this. And every single time, he was chasing, chasing money and trying different things. Hasty. Trying to get rich quick. But in the end, it ended up in disaster. He ended up in poverty. He ended up back in Uruguay. He ended up with nothing and no money. Uh, I, I could use, uh, I, I should have read him this verse if I knew it back then. Uh, that again, everyone who is hasty comes only uh, to poverty. In Proverbs 29 verse 20 says, do you see a man who is hasty with his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Do you see a person that's hasty with their words? They're quick to speak, but not quick to think. Maybe sometimes in our homes, we're too quick to speak and not quick to think. Just today, Esther and I were there, we're having lunch. Uh, We're just about to sit down for lunch uh, with our kids. And uh, the entertainment starts again. Uh, We're across the driveway. Uh, Things start to uh, heat up again. There's an argument in the neighborhood. Uh, There's words that are flying. There's swearing. Things are... Esther looking through the window there, then the dude comes out, the people come out, he throws the water bottles, and honestly, it's like, it's like a roller coaster. 
the, 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 the guy is like uh, one minute swearing, one minute crying, one minute swearing, one minute crying. It's like, just calm down, dude. Just calm down. Think about what you're doing. Think about what you're going to say. And I said to my wife, and I know you won't believe this. And I said to my wife, I said, one day I, I have to get, go over there and I have to witness to that guy. I said, because that is exactly Chris Simak a number of years ago. A number of years ago. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Uh, but that right there, like I'm, I'm watching this guy. I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I almost know what he's going to do next. I'm like, yeah, they didn't listen. They didn't listen. You have to get bigger. Oh, there he goes, getting bigger. Now he's throwing something. But again, it's like reading a script. Don't be hasty. Don't be impulsive. Don't make an emotional decision that you'll regret tomorrow. The third thing that our prodigal son, third problem that he had that led him down into the, pit, into the pig pen was that he wasted everything he had. As a matter of fact, the word prodigal means to waste. To waste. I want to tell you that over the years, Esther and I, we... Uh, we got married and uh, somehow we came from single mums who were able to have incredible financial brains. Uh, somehow her, uh, her mum, Renato, and my mum, uh, Alma, they were able to, out of very little funds... Uh, they never worked high paying jobs, but they were both very hard workers. And somehow they were able to save money, able to do this, buy stuff, do stuff and, and take care of themselves. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't genetic. And when we got married, we made a lot of financial mistakes. We made a lot of financial decisions that were terrible I know, I know, you can't believe that today. But then we learned one little thing that, let me help you out here, uh, was revolutionary for us. You may have heard of it before. It's called savings. And when, for the first time, we had savings, I mean, God had to slap us around a couple times. Just be like, you idiots, you prodigal son, you've wasted everything. And then again, God was gracious enough to give me a new job or something else. And we had another chance to do it again. But then eventually we started and we're, we're, we're learning and we're almost there. Hallelujah. But God taught us how to save. And I want to tell you, when you save, when you don't waste everything you use, it's a miracle. You know what happens is not everything catches you by surprise. I remember... I remember very well getting the bills, getting the things and things catching us by surprise and thinking there's no way we could pay for that. Let's rip it up and put it in the bin like that's going to make it go away. Uh, let's do Not everything is reactionary now that there is some savings. Proverbs 21 verse 20 says the wise man saves for the future. But the foolish man spends whatever he gets. 
Here he is, the prodigal son. He's from the father's house to the pig pen. How? Because he wasted everything he had. When he left, he never intended to come back home. After all, he took all the money with him. If he was planning to come back, he would have left some there. But he wasn't tricked into spending his money. He left home intending to spend it all. I want to tell you, there's another miracle that happens when you save. Is that when you save uh, and you don't waste, you're not at the mercy of external changes. Look at our verse right here. It says that he spent all he had. And then what came next? A famine came to the land. It wasn't in his control. It wasn't even up to him. It wasn't even because of his bad choice that he's now in an external situation came to him. I'll tell you, COVID and external situation have destroyed many that were unprepared. Many that were wasteful. And I understand that there are, uh, there are difficult situations and I'm not trying to make light of those. Oh, but how good would it be if, you didn't, if we didn't waste everything we had? I'm not only talking about money. Even COVID has showed us other things where here we are uh, at so many times wasting time. Wasting time uh, now uh, speaking to different people and different men. I talk about wasting time playing video games, going down to the pub, escaping life rather than investing in their families. And then COVID hits, a famine hits the land, and now they're stuck with their families that they've never invested into. And now they're stuck together in a house. They realize they don't like each other because they've never invested. They've wasted the time. I, I want to tell you, there's something much, much more valuable than money. And time, time you will never get back. Yeah. Yesterday we're here cooking the barbecue. Well, actually, my man Malachi was the chef. And uh, <clears throat> he's there cooking the barbecue. And uh, I went to the Spanish butcher here in GI. And I got us some good fat chorizos and we're cooking them there. It's the best outreach when you can have chorizo for an outreach. Hallelujah. Uh, and we're there and Connor goes, he comes up to the barbecue. Oh, chorizos. Yes, he's so excited. And then he comes back like five minutes later. I'm like, Connor, calm down. You know, these are like this thick. They take forever. And he's like... Oh, okay, I'll come back in another five minutes. He comes back in another five minutes and he says these words to me, which obviously I may have repeated to him at some point. And, he, and I said to him, Connor, remember, it takes time. And he goes, I know, but why does everything good take so long? <laughs> and I want to tell you because he understands that there is a principle. That anything that's worth it, anything that's good, is going to take some time. And we look at the time and we think, you know what? It's not worth the investment. I want to tell you, whatever you do, do not waste your time. Do not waste your time. Do not waste your time in sin. 
Do not waste your time in indecision. Just go hundies for God. Hallelujah. Uh, and, and invest in God. Invest in your own relationship with God. Invest in your family. Invest in your church. I mean, the amount of time that we spend just wasting time. I want to tell you, investing in people, in your family, will never be wasted. One of my favorite verses is about food. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 27. It says, whoever is slothful. Mm, I love that word. Slothful means lazy, slow. Whoever is slothful will not roast his game, but the diligent man will get precious wealth. It's beautiful. It's saying that, you know what? The lazy man, he's not going to take time to get his game that he's hunted and put it on the roast and slowly roast it. The lazy man just going to go down to the chicken nibbles and, uh, and go down. But I tell you, when you go and you roast it, there is precious rewards, the Bible says. Amen. You're not going to get that roast lamb down in takeaway. The message uh, paraphrase says this, a lazy life is an empty life, but the early to rise man gets the job done. The fourth problem that our prodigal son does is he isolates himself. Here he is in the father's house. Fellowship, privilege, Prestige. He ends up in the pig pen. How? Because he isolates himself. He separated himself from every relationship that was important. And by leaving, he broke his relationship with his father and with his brother. I want to tell you, do not isolate yourself, especially in difficult times. Do not isolate yourself. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 1 says, The one who isolates himself seeks his own desires and he rejects all sound judgment. In Genesis chapter 2, God creates man and then he says, It's not good for man to be alone. Why? Because men need women. Hallelujah. Absolutely. Amen. Amen. But also... Because on our own, we can make some pretty dumb decisions. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 and 10 is a fantastic verse. It says, two people are better off than one. For they can help each other to succeed. If one person falls, the other one can reach out and help. But somebody who falls alone is in real trouble. It's a dangerous place when you've isolated yourself and there's nobody to help you. It's a dangerous place when, when you've turned... I mean, I don't understand how you could isolate yourself from the house of God. Look at you. You're very friendly people. We want to help. We want to reach out. We want to pick people up. But when people isolate themselves, there's not much that I can do. People say, it's just me and Jesus. I pray a lot. I want to tell you, that's not the way that God intended it. God put you in a church and in a family. And at Bible study, we were looking at the power of fellowship. 
In our Bible study, we spoke about how each one of us is like a burning hot coal filled with the fire of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. The problem is that a burning hot coal on its own is going to go cold real quick. But together with other coals, all of a sudden, there's heat. All of a sudden, when the coals stay together, there's power. There's stuff that we could do together. Uh, but when you're isolating yourself, that burning hot fire is going to get cold real quick. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 12 says, though, may, though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him and a threefold cord is not easily broken. Gives me this picture of his uh, Jesse in a fight. And you know, he's a pretty tough guy, I understand. Uh, but one may be overcome. But if it was Jesse and Pepper back to back, Dangerous, dangerous, right? Two can withstand him, but a threefold cord. There's Jesse, Keta, and Anna there, back to back to back. I'm like, come at me, we can take anything here, right? Because a threefold cord is not easily broken. Do not isolate yourself, do not isolate yourself in prayer. In prayer, there's a threefold cord. Why? I just don't understand why you're suffering alone. I just don't understand when people say, oh, you know what? I just don't want to tell the pastor, you know, he's busy. I'm like, forget my busy. I want to be busy with your problems. Hallelujah. That's recorded. All right. You can play that back to me. And together, let's pray. Let's contend. Let's fast together. Let's believe for this. You do not have to fight this thing alone. Now let's look finally then at my fifth point. Is if you've seen yourself anywhere in this path to the pig pen, then we need to turn and repent. Because the seriousness of this is that if you are anywhere on this path to the pig pen, then it's just, it's, it's another step and another step closer to that place. You have to take it very seriously. A Sunday school teacher once asked the class what the word repentance means. You guys have heard me do enough altar calls now that you should be able to talk about the turning back and the 180 degrees and all that. But the Sunday school teacher asked the, what the word repentance means. A little boy puts up his hands and he said, it means being sorry for your sins. A little girl raised her hand and said, it's being sorry enough to quit. And then a schoolgirl was saved and somebody asked her, uh, what were you before? And she said, I was a sinner. And what are you now that you're saved? She said, I'm still a sinner. And they said, what's the difference? And she says, now I'm a sinner. I used to be a sinner running after sin, but now I'm a sinner running away from sin. And again, a very interesting perspective. If you see yourself anywhere in these things, 
It's time to repent and say, you know what, God, I'm not going down that direction anymore. Repentance is not only when you get saved. Hallelujah. I'm not going that direction anymore. I'm turning and I'm running away from it. Let me finish with this. Think of a husband and a wife in a car. The wife is giving directions. We've already got a problem. And the wife tells her husband to turn right at the next intersection. And by mistake, he turns left. When he realizes what he's done, he says to his wife, I'm sorry, love, I went the wrong way. Obviously, that's a made up story because that would never happen. Uh, But when he turns left, he says, I'm sorry, love, I went the wrong way. But if that's all he does, it's not enough. I'm really sorry that I turned left instead of right. But he keeps driving down the left direction. Instead, what he needs to do is stop the car, turn it around, and go back the other way and get back on the correct road. That is repentance. It's not about you being sorry. It's about you saying, I recognize this and God, I'm not going to go down that direction anymore. God, I'm going down this road. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads here tonight and let's pray.